It's really a blessing to be in a annual meeting, <laughs> a good-spirited annual meeting, and uh, to see such a great crowd um, today, and certainly a great, tremendous encouragement to feel the Holy Spirit of God already, and hope the Lord will bless us. Um, I'd like to say while I have the microphone, um, I want to invite everyone to uh, here have a good time today. Uh, the uh, second weekend in November, um, on Saturday, November the 13th, you can get your phones out if you'd like and put that in your calendar. Um, I know that there's a big event that's happening here at Bethlehem on November the 13th, um, but it's my understanding that's at 3 p.m., and it's an hour and a half from here to Ackerman, so you can come to our meeting, have lunch, be gone by 1 o'clock, get here at 230 in perfect timing for the three o'clock wedding. So um, <clears throat> normally um, we would be having our meeting this weekend at Macedonia. Um, and one of the reasons we adjusted that this year uh, is to have better fellowship with our sister churches. I'd, we'd be having our own meeting this weekend. Um, but also we'd love for you to return the favor to us. So uh, I hope that you can keep that in mind. And if you can't come this year, when you put that in your calendar, Put reoccurring annual on there, so it'll pop up next year. And you can also go ahead and go ahead and add the fourth weekend in February too with an annual recurring event. So um, <clears throat> we'd love to have you fellowship with us if you have the opportunity. And it's a great blessing to uh, honestly share the pulpit with my my brother and my dad. I, I was trying to think through uh, if we've had the opportunity to do that before. I know me and Jonathan have preached before. I can't remember if. If we have a dad, but anyway, it's a good good blessing to have that privilege, and certainly hope the Holy Spirit blesses um, the consideration of God's word. <clears throat> I'd ask you to turn to First Corinthians chapter fifteen. First Corinthians chapter fifteen, and we'd like to focus on verse two, which is being saved by keeping in memory. Being saved by keeping in memory. Verse. Corinthians chapter 15 and in verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you and which ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if you keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. And I don't know if you're anything like me. But you may have a problem remembering what you know. And there is a tremendous blessing that we have, not just in believing the gospel. There's a deliverance and a peace in believing the gospel. But there is a tremendous uh, deliverance when we keep that word in our memory. When we keep it at the forefront of our mind. And we're so prone to get uh, distracted here in this world and um, maybe not be as diligent as we should in just simply reading God's Word, but, but especially keeping God's Word in our memory and in the forefront of our mind. And you'll notice here, <clears throat> this is a um, conditional salvation text. Uh, you'll notice there's an if right here. Um, as you uh, study God's Word, uh, you're going to see the word saved a lot of times in Scripture. And uh, as you start going through the different actions uh, that cause a, a saving deliverance effect in your life, you know, we're told uh, that 
if we believe and confess the gospel, then we will be saved. Okay, we're told that if, when we're baptized, baptism doth now save us, not the putting away the filth of the flesh, but the answer of good conscience toward God. So you need to believe the Lord. You need to confess the Lord publicly, and there's a, a salvation effect in your heart and in your soul when you do that. But if we try to put all of these um, texts in an eternal deliverance from hell, you're going to have a lot of problems. But furthermore, where's the, bar, the barrier where you actually made it to heaven? Okay, Because at, at which point of those uh, steps... Uh, were you actually saved to heaven? Were you saved to heaven at belief? Were you saved to heaven at confession? Or do you have to make it all the way to baptism? Okay, But many of the people that would put that in, a, in an eternal context, how many of you are going to say you have to keep it in memory? <laughs> right? Because you are saved if you keep it in memory. And that's not very good news for, I mean, I'm a pretty young guy and I should not be as forgetful as I am at my age. And I know many of you uh, can say, um, just just wait, right? (laughs) Just wait till it gets worse. Um, But I I feel like I'm pretty forgetful right now. And and if my eternal destination is not just contingent on me believing, not just contingent on me being baptized, but then I got to keep it in memory, then... There's a reason why Scripture calls that bondage. <laughs> I mean, that's concerning, right? That, that's a great burden that's on my heart. <clears throat> but thankfully, um, as we rightly divide Scripture, we know that we are saved to heaven by the finished work of Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus. But then there are conditional salvations and obediences that we have by our actions. And notice, this is an if. This right. is an if conditional Salvation. Now, what do you need to keep in memory? Particularly, he says here, the gospel. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you and which you have received, and wherein you stand, by which ye are saved, if you keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. So you need to certainly believe it and confess it uh, at the beginning stages of discipleship. You need to submit to uh, believers baptism and you will feel that answer of a good conscience that that peace and the assurance that that comes uh, with baptism and justification by faith that now we have peace with God but <clears throat> it's so important for us on a practical daily basis to keep the word of God in our memory particularly the gospel particularly the gospel in our memory let's go to second uh, <clears throat> Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, and let's start reading here in verse 4. Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if you do these things, or for or if these things be in you, and abound, they make you that you shall be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind, and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins." Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure, 
For if you do these things, you shall never fall, for so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So I kind of want to go backward in this to a degree. We see um, in verse 10 that if you are growing in discipleship, it takes diligence to add to your faith, virtue, and knowledge, and temperance, and patience, and godliness, and brotherly kindness, and charity. It takes diligence and hard work to be able to do that, but if you don't do these things, for if you do these things, ye shall never fall. Okay? Now, what's the falling in context here? Okay, let's back up one more verse. If these things be in you and abound... They make you that you shall be neither barren nor... Uh, well, backed up too. Let's keep reading though. Be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our uh, Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off. And notice, hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Notice, he's purged of his sins. Right? There, there is no... Um, there's nothing that can change the blood of Jesus Christ purging your sins before God. But what we can do is get distracted and forget about it. And, and you know what that makes us spiritually? It makes us blind. And you're a fall risk when you're blind, aren't you? <laughs> I was walking around uh, at 3 o'clock a.m. last night in uh, total darkness, and, and I was feeling the wall to make sure I wasn't going to fall. You know, uh, you are very prone to fall when you don't have good vision, right? And what does the Word of God give you? gives you vision. What, is, what does the gospel give you? It gives you light, right? It brings life and immortality to light. It gives you vision. Amen. So if you're blind and you can't see it far off, you're in danger of stumbling, right? You're in danger of stubbing your toe and falling. And worse yet, could you imagine that we could get so engrossed and enticed by the world that we could forget that we were purged from our old sins? How's that possible? How's it possible that, that we could forget about the most important message that there is in this world, which is salvation by grace alone? Amen. That's what happens when you're not growing in diligent discipleship. Right. right? You're adding to your faith and you're growing daily. And forget that we were purged from our old sins. In James chapter 1 we find yet another forgetful text. James chapter 1. Let's start in verse 21. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves, if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass, and he beholding himself goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. Whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. He's saying the same thing here. That if you're not putting what you know into action, then your works are not following what you know, right? You are a forgetful hearer. Now, what's the remedy for that? 
What's the remedy for being a forgetful hearer? And Lord forbid we ever, Lord forbid we ever forget what manner of man we are, right? Salvation always has to start with total depravity. And we need to be reminded of that. We need to be reminded how how wretched we are in our nature to uh, see the glory that we have in salvation by grace alone. We need to be reminded of that. We need to be reminded of what manner of man we were. Notice, were, past tense. (laughs) Because there's supposed to be a change of action, right? There's supposed to be a change in your life. But what is the remedy? What's the remedy for being a forgetful hearer? Verse 21. Receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your soul. Sometimes we... uh, make bold statements in the Primitive Baptist Church that you are not saved by the preaching of the gospel and you're not saved by the word. All right? Let's put that in context. (laughs) You're not saved to heaven, right? You're not saved to heaven by that. He says, but you are saved. Your soul is saved by the word. He says the engrafted word here. That's the implanted word. But you understand, right, that the, um, the implanted word, the laws that God writes in your heart, is in perfect accordance with the inspired and preserved Word of God. Right? So there's not a distinction, truth-wise, because Jesus is in you the hope of glory, and what's Jesus? He's the truth, right? So the truth of God's Word resides in your heart. And what does the preaching of the Gospel do? It just simply aligns with what God has already written in your heart. Right? And the Word of God, the preaching of the Word of God, is able to save your soul. Not to heaven. Not to heaven, but Lord knows our souls need saving here in this world. Right? Think about Acts chapter 2. What was it? It was the preaching of the gospel of Peter when they were pricked in the heart. And they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? They they were compelled to action, right? Not being a forgetful hearer, but being a doer, Right. right? They were compelled to action. And he said, you need to repent. You need to be baptized. And with many other words, he exhorted them, save yourself from this untoward generation. There is a salvation. No doubt when you're baptized, you feel that answer of a good conscience. But when you have the knowledge that our eternal salvation is secure in Jesus Christ, you know, you're not as concerned about all the wickedness around you. You know, we need to, we need to be responsible citizens. We need to vote. We need to impact the culture with Excuse me, where we can and be salt and light. But you do not need to be overwhelmed with the wickedness that's around you. You know, uh, we've just been so pampered in America that we realize we're just regressing back to the mean. Okay? And we're not even back to the mean yet. (laughs) Okay? This world is wicked. And the generation around us is typically wicked. It's untoward. (laughs) Right? And when you apply the Word of God in your life, you will be saved from the wickedness that surrounds you. Okay? When you keep it in your mind. When you're not a forgetful hearer. Let's just look at a couple practical examples. Um, You know, we're going to turn over there to Proverbs. But think about all the admonitions you have in Proverbs to live wisely. Don't make these bad decisions. Um, Think about the strange woman. It's just amazing how um, Solomon... Uh, inspired by, by, by the Lord. It, it, this uh, Proverbs is written uh, from a father instructing his son to not engage in these things. Talk about being a forgetful hearer. Uh, uh, Solomon was blessed to pen these words by inspired scripture. And as an old man, he didn't just pick up the word of God that he wrote and read what he told his son. <laughs> he said, he said, be afraid of the, of the strange woman. Why? 
Because it's going to be destruction if you're enticed by her. And then by the end of his life, what, what did he do? He loved many strange women, right? What, why, why, did, why did he get enticed in that? What he should have done is picked up the Word of God, right? He should have been engaged with the Word of God enough that it was brought back to his mind at the appropriate circumstance because we're going to be tested here in this world. I'll tell you, Satan, talking about being blinded there, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he talks about the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them lest they should hear the light of the glorious gospel and believe. Now, does, does Satan need to blind people that are dead? I, I think, I think uh, Satan is very efficient. Okay? Jesus is not, I mean, uh, excuse me, uh, Satan is not going to go around blinding people that are dead. <laughs> He's going to make very good use of his time. But the God of this world, I tell you, he can blind us Amen. if we're... And what's, what's the remedy for that, though? What's the remedy for that? Yeah. The Word of God. Amen. The Word of God. That's right. And keeping it in memory. You know, think about when Jesus was tempted. <clears throat> there in uh, Matthew chapter 4 and other gospel accounts as well. Um, when he was tempted three times by the devil, what was his sword that he used uh what, what obviously we have the armor of god and the sword of the spirit which is the word of god but jesus used it i mean he's the word incarnate but what did he use it is written okay uh but notice when um when satan tempted jesus to make those stones to be bread you, you know this is a very happy time that we have in public worship and a special occasion like this, and it's really to recharge our batteries to go back out and be energized for the grueling middle of the week, okay? Um, So you're not going to be tempted that much in this kind of a setting. Where where did uh, Satan tempt Jesus with bread? It was when he hadn't eaten for 40 days. I mean, it's really hard for us to imagine how malnourished Jesus was. And as a natural man, he would have eaten anything. Okay? When did, when did Jesus come and tempt him with bread? It's when he was at his weakest point. He was at his weakest point. And that's why you have to be so in tune with the Word of God. It says uh, in Psalms, I have hid thy word in my heart that I might not sin against thee. You need to make a commitment. You need to, you need to read God's Word daily. But you need to have the Word of God hidden in your heart. Because you're not going to have the Bible open. I'm thankful for Bible apps, you know. But you're not going to have the Bible open when you're tempted. The most severely. You know, think about that strange woman. When you're in a circumstance and you are being tempted and enticed by someone, you're probably not going to say, okay, I need about 15 minutes to go get my Bible out and go go read some verses in Proverbs. You need to have the Word of God in your mind Amen. to where the Holy Spirit can bring it to your mind right. at the exact moment to say, no, I don't need to do this. Why? Why? Because it's destruction, right? right? It's destruction in engaging in that. And that's why we have to be so in tune with the Word of God, Amen. right? And have it in memory to where, and, and uh, I mean, obviously the Lord can do anything. But the general disposition of the Lord is He's not going to bring to your mind scriptures you don't know <laughs> in the moment. Okay? 
You know, he's not, he's not going to, there were men that were used to inspire scripture. He's not going to treat you that way. Okay. In the moment, you've got to be diligent to study it. Right. And to keep it in memory. And if you do that, if you do that, I haven't been near as diligent as I should have, but, but you will find that there are moments that all of a sudden there's just a verse that pops in your head at the exact right moment. You don't know what that is. That's the Holy Spirit of God guiding you. And you know what? Many times it's a warning. Don't do this. <laughs> right? Yes. The engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. The preaching of the gospel there in Acts chapter 2. When they repented and they believed and they were baptized, it says that 3,000 souls were added to the church. And I believe we can also say, and at a minimum, I'm sure there were other aspects, but at a minimum, there were 3,000 souls that were saved from the untoward generation around them that day. Amen. Okay? True. <clears throat> so the Word of God saved them that day. The Word of God is able to save your soul. Yeah, that's right. Not to heaven, not to heaven, but in your timely walk of deliverance. Let's go very quickly to uh, Psalm chapter 1. Um, not just reading the Word, not just reading the Word, but again committing to it, to where you can have it in memory. Okay? Where it can be brought to your mind at the appropriate time. Just think about all of the perils that you can be protected from if you just simply obey the Word of God. Okay, Psalm chapter 1 and verse 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Now what's the effect of that? He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, and bringeth forth fruit in his season. And his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. There's a lot of perils in verse 1, if you don't forsake it. Okay, but how is it that you know? What, what's the reason why this man is forsaking the counsel of the ungodly and the way of sinners and the seat of the scornful? Why is he doing that? Because of verse 2, right? His delight is in the law of the Lord. And notice, he's not, you, you need to be diligent in reading, okay? But you also need to bring that back to your mind and meditate on that. In his law doth he meditate day and not. So let's just think about this in a very practical sense. Um, when you're in school or when you're in, where you're in other settings where you're not necessarily around all these great church people and, and they are enticing you to do something. Okay? You, you're being enticed to go and walk in the counsel of the ungodly and stand in the way of sinners and sit in the seat of the scornful. Well, if your mind is constantly meditating on the Word of God then the Holy Spirit will bring the appropriate verses to your mind at that time to say, you know what, this is a situation I need to get out of. This is a situation I need to forsake, right? Right? And that is saving you, (laughs) isn't it? Have you ever been in the circumstance where you haven't heeded that? Well, if you have that perspective, you know there are some things you could have been saved from If, if you would have kept the word of God in memory, right? And not just, again, reading it casually, 
but meditating on it, bringing it to your mind. And if you make that commitment, the Holy Spirit's going to be guiding your mind Amen. to bring those verses to your mind at the appropriate circumstance. But I think that this, uh, this really emphasizes to us um, how, how prone we are to forget. Um, you can go ahead and turn to First uh, Timothy chapter 4, but I want to read some verses for you um, while you're turning there. Um, he tells Timothy... Um, Yeah, actually, this is just a couple verses up. First uh, Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ nourished up in the word of faith. Uh, what, what is one of the main qualifications of being a good minister? It's not about trying to, you know, look in the Old Testament and, and or, or some other place and, and trying to find some uh, impressive type and shadow that nobody's ever found before and, you know, I was listening to a sermon recently, and, and he, he said, you know what, I think I might be the only primitive Baptist that believes this. Well, you know, he may be right about that. I don't tend, I don't tend to think that he is. But, but, you know, just, A, if you make that statement, that's a good thing, that's a good counsel to, to say, you know what, maybe I should reconsider my position Instead of kind of boldly standing up and saying, I'm right, and nobody else has figured this out before. Okay, So uh, we don't need to have this idea um, that I'm always trying to find some new unpolished nugget that nobody's ever found before. No, just preach the word. Everything else takes care of itself, right? Just preach the word. Um, but uh, the verses... Um, I'll go ahead and read this this here. This is in the, the first chapter of, of First Peter. But I want to emphasize... Uh, second Peter, second Peter chapter one, um, that he's, he is concerned that they could fall because of being forgetful. Okay. So uh, three times in the next four verses, he says, therefore, wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them and establish, you know, I'm not concerned about you not knowing them. (laughs) Right. He says, I know, you know, them, but you need to be reminded why, because we all get forgetful. And no doubt we do in a natural sense, but we get very forgetful in a spiritual sense, right? And then it goes on, verse 13. Yeah, I think it meet. As long as I'm in this tabernacle. You know, this is essentially uh, Peter's last letter. You know, he, he thinks that, uh, that he's about to, to pass away. Uh, so this is his last words to the church. And what's his last words to the church? I'm going to keep telling you what I've told you before. <laughs> I don't have much time left, and I'm not going to try to come up with something new and fancy. I'm going to tell you just the rock-solid, bedrock truth of the gospel. Because that's what you need to be reminded of, because you are prone to forget that you were purged from your old sins. And then he says uh, in verse 15, Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able, after my decease, to have these things in remembrance. He's looking toward the next generation. He said, look, I don't have much time left. And I, I want to make sure you're established in these truths so that you can pay that forward and establish somebody else. <laughs> right? He's concerned about the furtherance of the truth in the church and in the kingdom. And then the uh, third chapter in the first verse, I know you've heard you know this, this verse very many times. I, I, I'm stirring up your pure minds by way of remembrance. Why does he keep saying all this? <laughs> Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1. Take the more earnest heed to these things. Lest at any time you could let them slip. You know what that tells me? There's a possibility they could slip. Right? right. right? (laughs) 
Well, how is it that they don't slip? Take the more earnest heed, right? Keep them in memory. Keep them in memory. First Timothy chapter 4, we'll go ahead and close with, with these verses. Verse 14. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which is given thee by prophecy, and with the laying on of hands by the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed, excuse me, take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Okay? Now, I thought we were saved to heaven by grace alone, not of works, lest any man should boast. That's right. That's right. You are. But there are works that have a saving, delivering effect in your life. And what's it centered around? The Word of God. And not only does it save you, you have the ability to save people around you. Thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. That exact same example that I was giving you about you knowing the Word of God and you forsaking a course of action because God told you beforehand, don't do this, the end of this is destruction. You can provide that same counsel to other people that are enticed by doing that. You see? You know, there's some people that may be totally consumed with the untoward generation around them. And you have the ability by, by applying the Word of God to... Save them from that untoward generation. But what's it all centered around? It's centered around the Word of God, right? And keeping it in memory. We have the ability to save ourselves. And I'll tell you, you, we could just go on and on and on about all of the perils that you are delivered from by simply knowing and obeying and applying the Word of God, right? And that doesn't just apply to you. That applies to the people around you, right? You can both save yourself and them that hear thee. But unfortunately, what's our tendency? It's to be very forgetful. Forgetful. Well, what's the remedy for forgetfulness? God called men to remind you, right? God called faithful ministers to remind you, to stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. But you know what? Just preaching on Sunday isn't good enough either. Okay? Okay? You know, I can encourage you but you're not going to know the Word of God by 40 minutes once a week. No, it's by you committing to it, okay? It's by you reading it, and he says, he didn't say even by you just casually reading the Word of God. Meditate upon these things, verse 15, and give thyself wholly unto them, right? You see? And we can save ourselves and them that hear thee, and there's a lot of souls that need to be saved by the Word of God. <laughs> Glad there's some people amening that. There's a lot of souls that need to be saved by the Word of God. We always have to put it in the right context. But there are souls that I believe we can impact and save the people around us by simply saying, it is written, right? By simply saying, uh, this is the Word of God, and that's your offensive weapon against Satan too, right? That's the sword of the Spirit. That's, that's your only offensive weapon. And Jesus, He's the one, He even when... He was combating Satan. He took up that sword. And eventually, Satan got tired of getting hit over the head with that sword, and he departed from him for a season. (laughs) And you want to talk about a saving effect, you are definitely saved when 
in your life, Satan says, I'm really getting tired of getting hit over the head with the word of God. I'm going to leave him alone for a little bit. <laughs> I'll tell you, that's, a, that's, a, that's salvation for the child of God. When, when you hit Satan over the head, resist the devil, what is he going to do? He's going to flee from you, you know. Why? Because, again, he's efficient. <laughs> he's going to make good use of his time. Uh, and we need to take up that sword of the Spirit. Don't be forgetful, and we can both save ourselves and them that hear them. May God bless you.